Elliot, this edition of Geek Counter Geek is just a little different than normal. First of all, I'm actually looking at you, so that's different. Well, it's not the first time that you've looked at me, and I'm kind of hurt that you don't want to remember those last times. <laughs> but it is the first time we're doing this one, um, not only together, but in the middle of a, uh, a gaming coffee shop, uh, Bonus Round Game Cafe on North Clark Street, where they have so kindly set us up uh, with some uh, Americanos and a game called Fuse. Yeah, they have a lot of faith in our bomb-diffusing abilities. Might be misplaced. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's essentially you you have to diffuse bombs that are, well, not really bombs, but they're cards that represent bombs, and you have to match dice to symbols on the cards, and you have 10 minutes to go through, I want to say, 17 bombs. And I'm just going to say that in just the practice round that you and I did, under the supervision of the staff of the Bonus Round Game Cafe, we have proven that we would be the worst bomb diffusers ever. I mean, I like to imagine myself as maybe like um, Keanu Reeves in Speed. But we can't do this in a coffee shop, let alone on a speeding bus. I, I think I saw that movie. It was called The Bus That Couldn't Slow Down. I saw this in a movie about a bus that had to speed around the city, keeping its speed over 50. And if its speed dropped, it would explode. I think it was called The Bus That Couldn't Slow Down. The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. They well, bought their tickets. Other shows, like they knew what they were getting into. Use the Twilight Zone I the say, let them crash. Do you even know Keith me? Keith Cattergeek with Keith Conrad and Elliot Serrano. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Well, maybe it's one of those other shows, like Outer Limits. Or... Confuse the Twilight Zone with the Outer Limits? Do you even know me? So this is Geek Counter Geek number 118, take one, two actually. 118. Well, no, every every episode past like 50 is take two when you think about it, because we still have that lost episode that's out there. It, it is, yeah. You know, yeah. so it's like like an asterisk next to every Geek Counter Geek. Since I want to say it was episode 57, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Where we we it was it, it was probably one of the greatest episodes we've ever done that no one will ever hear. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. No one would believe it. No, no one would ever believe it. I mean, I'm never, ever going to get Morgan Freeman on the show again. No. I'm never, ever going to get, you know, um, 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 William Shatner. William Shatner. He won't talk to me anymore. Um, it was probably the greatest. And it's gone. It's lost in somewhere within the bowels of your, your, your laptop that died. Yeah, speaking of uh, things lost out in the ether, um, now have you finished Lost in Space or did you just watch the first episode? I watched the first episode. I've been, and here was the thing, because um, again, um, I've been looking forward to the Lost in Space on Netflix for a while, and um, and I, I, I'm, I'm going to say I was a little bit concerned it was going to suck. All right, I was a tad concerned. Well, I remember you know us talking about it, and I I I wouldn't say I was totally against the idea, but I, I wasn't optimistic about it. Optimistic, right? This was another case where we were going in with a cautious 
I, I was a, bit, a little bit of trepidation approaching this. Now, the only reason I wanted it to be good is because I know um, Max, Maxwell Jenkins. I know. He was also, by the way, on the last episode. On the last episode, yes. But mind you, he was much younger then. And yeah, this is yeah. before he did Lost in Space. Um, and, um, but, and so, like, the next time I see him and his dad, I want to say, hey, that Lost in Space was great. I don't want to have to, like, avert my eyes and go, dude, that really sucked. I mean, your show sucked. But no, it's actually, it was, it was interesting. It was a good first episode, mind you. Now, I, I, I really enjoyed the first episode, which um, a colleague, a colleague of mine, Alex Zalbin, on, um, he works for um, he worked for MTV Geek and a whole bunch of other entertainment um, outlets. He said on um, his Twitter account, "Great a great Twitter tweet." He goes, um, "Lost in Space Studio Pitch." He goes, "It's lost, but in space." <laughs> <laughs> to which the studio execs go, here's $2 billion. <laughs> and I, I hadn't watched the episode yet until I saw that tweet, and then I automatically said, okay, let's see this. I want to see how this new take on Lost in Space is. And that's kind of what it was. It, it, they were playing with the narrative of the story how, and the characters, and um, that first episode established um, the, the series pretty well um, gives you gives you all the characters from the get-go and um, and had you really interested in what happens in the next episode which is something that lost was very good at you know the first few seasons yeah there's uh, there's definitely a, a, a twist on uh, dr. Smith though um, yes which was not, fun. not not only you know like in Battlestar Galactica you know they, they changed Starbucks gender that's pretty much it you know she right it's not like they radically changed the character it's just you know, she's a girl now, uh, which was enough to piss some people off, but, but that's okay. Um, I think they eventually came around. Uh, in, uh, in Lost in Space, she, she's definitely a completely different character. Like, there's a, there's a very elaborate backstory with her, and, and she's... Uh, I, I don't know if you, if you realize this from, from the first episode, but she's a lot more evil than Dr. Smith. Like, Dr. Dr. Smith in the original series was, was just kind of uh, a guy you wouldn't want on your ship if you're lost at sea or lost in space. Like like you wouldn't want uh, Gilligan because yeah. Gilligan would like He, he totally was essentially yeah. like, like the Gilligan character <laughs> except uh, although my brother did point out that he was kind of evil because anytime that something bad happened he would use Will as a meat shield. Yes. So I guess he was evil in that regard but not quite as evil as, Doc, as Dr. Smith in this one. But you don't quite see that in the first episode yet. Well, in the, in the original Lost in Space, Doctor Smith was supposed to sabotage the Jupiter, the Jupiter mission, and uh, but then later on became the comedic, you know, because you have him on the show, you can't hate him the whole time, you know. And then there was that whole playoff between um, him and Will Robinson and the robot. So you yeah. did that whole bit. I mean, when you think he's, about he's it, silly ninny. Right. You, when you think about it, Doctor Smith was the original C three PO. You know. Of, uh, he, we really whiny, constantly complaining about things. You know, you hated him in the beginning, but then you kind of learned to like him over time. Oh, and by the way, yes, they, they, they gender switched um, uh, Dr. Smith, kind of. Um, but you notice that the original Dr. Smith in the reboot is none other than Billy Mooney himself. 
who played uh, the Doctor Smith, who has his jacket stolen. Um, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, it was him. Me, mind wow. you, he doesn't look the same. But the only reason I knew that is because um, I saw the picture that um, that um, he posted with Maxwell Jenkins on the set of the Lost in Space um, premiere. So, so yeah, so, so he's only in one scene. Yeah, he's in one scene, but he gets to be in it. That, that just that just blew my mind. Just like, I didn't even notice it. Just like he was in the Lost in Space movie. He gets a chance to be in all, you know. I think Billy Mummy get, gets a chance to be in every Lost in Space iteration there, if there's out well, there. I, I would think so. Yeah. He does, but good he, for him. As he keeps going. At least he didn't get like a, you know, Shatner who, who can't get in the new Star Trek. Well, as much as he seems to want to. Yeah, okay, Bill, you want to get in the new, you know, you're going to have to yeah. like uh, do like Mark Hamill and shed some pounds, my friend. You know, there is no, yeah. there, there is no, there are no chunky captains in Starfleet. Yeah, there are no chunky captains in Starfleet. No admirals, even. Yeah, yeah, even, even the admirals are, are doing pretty well. So, um, uh, I, I have gotten through all ten episodes. I think it's ten. See, but that's okay. I'm, I'll give you that because that's what everyone's been binging. But I'm like, I want to savor this one. I want to like watch an episode, you know, let it linger for a bit, then watch it. Maybe I'll watch two next, and then I'll give it a break, and then I'll watch another. Because this, in, in with this whole binge watching thing, it's like after a while you're like, okay, give me a show that I really like. Boom, it's gone on a weekend. Now what, what's left for me to watch? And especially because it, it takes like a year for them to actually produce them. So right, you're you're kind of. Kind of sitting on it for a year, so by the time you get to season two, you've forgotten everything that was in season one. Yeah, and and, and like uh, I just learned that they, they canceled Ash versus Evil Dead. Stars isn't renewing it for another season, so I'm gonna have to savor these last few episodes that are being produced. So, yeah. I, I, what, what did you do? Uh, uh, tr- okay, try not to spoil me here, all right? Since you're, you're the master of spoiling me. <laughs> <laughs> what I do. So, but uh, well, well, how, the season, how's it? Is it, does it play out as well as the first episode sets everything up? Well, I kept, uh, you know, because uh, in the original series, um, yeah. you know, obviously the, the, the Robinson family and the, and the people that are with them, they're alone. Mm-hmm. So I kept watching, like, the entire season, and um, the, only, the only thing I will spoil is to say that they run into other people. Right. Well, that would make sense, the way, they, again, they set it up in the, yeah. in the first episode. Um, and I kept, I kept waiting for them to, like, all die horribly because... Like I, I was expecting them to end up being alone, <laughs> right? And that that, um, you know, that, that was the thing that I kept waiting for throughout the season. I get it. Well, it, it, I will say, like even with the first episode, um, the writers were very clever in playing with all the little tropes of the family dynamic, the the brilliant kids, the cocky kid who takes risks. You know, and always comes through, mm-hmm. and um, and even the, the Will Robinson character, you can tell he's a really flawed character. You know, which is something that you don't expect them to do with him right from the get go. Yeah. You know, um, but when you see, I don't want to spoil anything, but um, there is um a sort of there is a a dark dark reason why Will Robinson is even on the Jupiter too. You know, things had to happen I, I, for, her, I would, for him to be there. I wouldn't say it's a dark reason because it's not like you know she didn't kill anybody. No, she didn't kill. Well, you know, oh, okay, the mom didn't kill anybody, but you never know what could have happened 
as a result of her actions. That's true. You know? Yeah. So, again, but it was very... Uh, the, the thing that I liked was um, that you could... You watched it, and you could actually understand why the characters were doing what they were doing. Yeah. And, um, and they were always empathetic for the most part. And these kids, these young actors that they've got on this show, are really good. Yeah, They're all of really them. good. Yeah. I mean, I, I gotta say, I was really impressed with the performances. You know, overall. And when you in science fiction, it's really when you're working with green screens and 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 um and these concepts that are kind of far beyond what the average person deals with. It can be very easy to to go into kind of wooden read your dialogue or overact overacting in something like this and I felt that the, these actors were very real they were very grounded in their performances yeah and I I um, uh, after after watching the whole season I really feel like it compares very fair, favorably to Battlestar Galactica yeah. in that they they took something yeah. that was really you know kind of campy and goofy and kind of you know, here's the alien of the week sort of thing. Mm -hmm. They turned it into something that's, you know, it, it doesn't have quite the post 9/11 vibe to it that that Battlestar Galactica did, but I think it, it it's sort of in the same ballpark that they they took something that was kind of goofy and campy and mm -hmm. and and turned it into something that that really works more seriously. And when you consider that the original Lost in Space, again, the, when you watch it, it only lasted for three seasons. The first season, they played it fairly straight. And then they veered into camp in the next the next two seasons with them um, after with the um, with again um, I'm trying to remember where Lost in Space and Star Trek coincided with each other. Um, you know, Star Trek was wagon train to the stars. Lost in Space is essentially the uh, Swiss Family Robinson, literally, literally. literally in space um, and they were all going okay let's take these um, concepts that we know from literature and stories that everyone's familiar with and let's put them in space and see but since you can't have a treehouse in space although do they come up with a treehouse later on in the I, well not, not in the new one no <laughs> I thought you were going to say I don't want to spoil you Elliot <laughs> It would have been funny if, they, if, like, in the original series or this one, they had the ship, like, land in a tree. And so they were, they were yeah. just, like, stuck in a tree. Will, and you Will know, does so, end up in a tree. So, in the, so you, yeah. could have, uh, uh, you could have had it, like, uh, be kind of like uh, Avatar. Yeah. Because the aliens live in a tree there. The, uh, but, the Navi. Yeah. yeah they can do a, now they can do a Lost in Space Avatar crossover if they want. Yeah, see, that would work. Yeah, that would be fun. Because then you would have the treehouse. The treehouse. So... <laughs> So, okay, so uh, as far as Lost in Space goes, would you, and you compare, you've already compared it to Battlestar Galactica favorably. How does it compare to, let's say, Star Trek Discovery? You feel um, it was, because, you know, with Star Trek Discovery, we had a kind of, it, I, overall, I enjoyed it, but I felt the season was a little bit uneven in places. I'm talking about Star Trek Discovery. Yeah. What about with Lost in Space in comparison? I, I think that, I, yeah, I definitely think that's that's fair with Discovery. I, I feel like, um, and, and maybe this is just me knowing the backstory of like how things were produced. Mm -hmm. Like I have a feeling that wh whenever they went to whatever studio, you know, produced this for Netflix, mm -hmm. they said, here's the first season. And then they made it, as opposed to Star Trek Discovery, where it was a little yeah, it was more back meandering. and forth, back and forth, yeah. Um, and so I think like they probably had a, it, it was less uneven than Star Trek Discovery, and I think that's just 
That's probably just a result of how it was made. But, yeah, that's real interesting considering the pedigree that Discovery has. You know. Yeah. Um, well, there I, were a lot of changes on Discovery. Yes, there were. And I, I will say that what, the, the, another thing that I really enjoyed about Lost in Space was the music and how they were able to re, kind of reinvent the theme song. Mm-hmm. And I loved how in the credits they go original Lost in Space theme song written by John Williams. Not Johnny Williams, as it's on all the old on the old um, Lost in Space credits, but um, John Williams. I like the fact that they actually, on, on every episode, it says created by Irwin Allen. Irwin Allen, yeah, yeah. Mr. Disaster Film. Poseidon Adventure, um, Airport, um, um, if, if the Towering Inferno. Yeah, if something was blowing up in the mid-60s to Seven, you know, yeah, like so late early, 70s, yeah. it was Irwin Allen. Earthquake. Yeah, Ir- yeah, Irwin Allen was the master of the disaster. Uh, yeah, I, 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 uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry to say I don't know this for sure, but I don't think Irwin Allen is still with us. No, so, no, he's not. No. So, so it's interesting that they decided to uh, include him in that. Maybe that was his estate saying, oh, oh, had, we'll, let, no. we'll let you have the name. I would think, but I would, I would think, too, that I think if you go to his uh, grave site and you push a button, it, it just uh, a mini earthquake goes out. And the tower and the, the skyscraper, that's the tombstone, suddenly bursts into flame. That, that, that would be really cool. It's a fitting tribute. Like that, I, I feel like I'm going to have to include that in my will so that that actually happens. It's like there's really no reason for it. Like Erwin Allen was famous for that. I'm, ju- I'm just some guy. You're just some guy. But people will visit your, your grave all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, was it's funny because uh, as I was watching that, I was thinking, oh, that's a nice tribute to Irwin Allen. And then I'm like, just as we're talking about it, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, that was probably just his estate saying. Yeah, you know, well, that's we'll what you have. Know. That's what you have there for. I mean, you also have Sherwood Schwartz, you know, Sherwood Schwartz, who created the, the Brady Bunch and Gilligan's Island. Right. You know, so he's going to be all over anything that comes after that. You know, any, any reimaginings of those oh, things. Yeah, exactly. Oh, a gritty reimagining of Gilligan's Island. It's Survivor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. But then, you know, when you think about it, Gilligan's Island, I mean, if you wanted to redo it, if you wanted to reboot it for a modern audience, it, it would essentially be like, I mean, because the original Gilligan's Island is farcical comedy. And again, if you watch the very first episode of Gilligan's Island, you watch the pilot, it's incredible how straight they play that whole thing. You know, mm-hmm. the characters are really quite, you know, everyone's playing it straight. It's not until it went into a series that it became campy and goofy and and implausible. Was uh, um, was did, did that original pilot ever air, or was it like Star Trek, where it didn't quite work? In the I remember age? seeing the original pilot, so I don't know if it was because it aired or maybe well, when it went into syndication, somebody kind of like threw it out there once, like it's a special thing. And like I the cage, yeah, like yeah, exactly. And um, I'm, they haven't re-released Gilligan's Island on Blu-ray yet. I know it's only on DVD, so I have to see. You're thinking? I'm thinking someone's got that somewhere. I got a collector's set. I'm gonna have so, to look that must, up. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, they played it really straight. And and I would guess if you're gonna reboot Gilligan's Island, you could make it like a rom-com, you know, with a little bit of suspense and action in there. <laughs> And and the howls just putting their feet up. The howls, but, but no, but you'd, you'd have to re. I mean, the characters themselves would be different, right? You know, 
the, the, the howls wouldn't be. I, I mean, I would, I would imagine the howls, uh, you know, just to be, you know, sort of more uh, tie it into the news and be a little bit more edgy. They would be like the uh, the Bernie Madoff and his wife. Bernie Madoff and his wife. They, uh, you know, they had just been been busted for you know some pyramid scheme, uh-huh. and now they're, you know, they they go on vacation right before they're supposed to go to prison for the rest of their lives. And and hey, you know, getting stranded on a desert island worked out for them. Um, 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 the, the professor would be Elon Musk, okay. an Elon Musk type. Yeah. yeah. Um, the the uh, Ginger and Marianne, you know, you'd have the movie star, but the, they, maybe they could be like a pair of Instagram celebrities, you know, or they're, they're not they're not movie stars, they're YouTube celebrities. They're YouTube celebrities, yeah. and then um and then the, the the skipper and the captain are two you know two two guys just trying to make their way, trying to make their way through life. You get taking people on cruises, making ends meet. <laughs> and then, uh, and then uh, it, it would, it wouldn't be. Uh, um, you'd have to tie global warming into the uh, into the storm yeah. that strands them. Like a perfect um, storm deal. Yeah, yeah. And then they're lost because you know these days. With uh, technology being what it is, no one can really be lost at sea. Yeah. Is there actually an uncharted desert island anywhere? Anywhere, right. I mean, I, mean, I, I know because the Earth is flat, you know, we don't know. The edge. Once you get behind the ice wall that NASA is <laughs> keeping people from getting beyond, I, I don't know what's out there. Okay, here's the thing. The reason why NASA doesn't want people beyond the ice wall is because the White Walkers are out there. And they're trying to keep us from being overtaken by frozen zombies. Why you got to bring race into this? <laughs> so you could have gone the different direction. I would have gone with the Elsa joke because I said frozen zombies. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. Know? Yeah. But that one's overdone. So we should just let it go. <laughs> Every time I make a really, really worn out... Uh, frozen joke. An angel has their wings ripped off. Yeah, and there's a lot of them. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of uh, Star Trek Discovery, they just started, uh, and we're making no progress on defusing this bomb. By the no, way. I mean, hold on, give me the bag here. I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna point out we're we're trying to play this game. Uh, this game fuse. Well, while we're going here, we're yeah. we're supposed to defuse bombs, and, and um, yeah, and there is a like a timer bit where we have like ten minutes, and we've well past that. We'd be dead oh, right now. Oh yeah, yeah. I, um, Dennis Hopper right now is laughing at us. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Star Trek Discovery. I hear Jonathan Frakes is already letting some cats out of some bags. Yeah. Um, so he said that he's directing. I, I'm not sure if he confirmed it or, or somebody else confirmed it. He's directing the second episode in season two, or at least he was. He might not be anymore. Um, uh, but he said that uh, um, Spock is going to figure into that episode, but that in that episode at least it's a flashback of young Spock, not Spock serving on the Enterprise. Which I think we talked about this uh, last week or the week before. You know, everybody's sort of looking for Spock to be the first officer, but if he uh, if he's the first officer on the Enterprise ten years before the original series, what's a guy got to do to get promoted in Starfleet? So, so wait a minute. But even even more so, if he's like just some cadet on yeah. the on on the Enterprise, and Michael Burnham is already was already like a first officer on the Discovery. Oh yeah, she won that sibling rivalry. Oh. <laughs> 
That's why he never talks about her. You never talk about your successful big sister. Oh, that's, you know, that's totally it. And, and you know what? We didn't have to invent something with the augments and getting rid of four, Klingon forehead ridges. It was just his sister's more successful than him, and he doesn't like to talk about it. He's half human, so that makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, and, and that's why Sarek never brings her up. Yeah, 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 because yeah, he, you know, even though he's a Klingon and he doesn't feel emotions. Or, Vulcan. No, he's a Vulcan. Vulcan. Yeah. yeah, he's a Vulcan and he doesn't feel emotions. He's, he's still a little jealous that, you know, his actual, you know, Vulcan half-human son didn't, uh, didn't shine quite as bright. I mean, she started a war, for crying out loud. <laughs> what has Spock done? Well, eventually Spock will take God to the edge of the universe on the Enterprise, but, you know. That's true. It's, it's going to take a while. And uh, you know, he's totally, a late bloomer, that Spock. Now that you mention it, this totally makes sense because, on the one hand, you've got Spock who's upset that his uh, his his foster sister is is more notable than he is, at least at least at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on the other side of the equation, you've got his 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 half brother Cybok, who's like the black sheep of the family. It, it totally makes sense that we'd never heard about that. <laughs> I mean, how often would you bring those people up to the, guy, the guys you work with? But, you know, if for folks who think this is really beyond the pale and you can't, you really can't, imagine, imagine being left out of the annual Christmas letter. You know? You ever had that, you know, the, your mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, they send out the Christmas letter and then suddenly you find you're not mentioned in it anymore? And you're like, it's like whoa, whoa. That's essentially what's happened here. They've been left out of the Christmas letter. <laughs> well, is it Christmas on Falcon? There's Life Day. <laughs> Don't cross the streams. Don't cross the streams, Keith. You're crossing the streams. You're crossing <laughs> fandoms. <laughs> I was trying to figure out a way to work Hogwarts into there, but I, but I just couldn't. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, that's oh, that's essentially what happened with um, with Spock. He never got his letter to Hogwarts, and but but Michael did, and no, he was so worried, he, he was so distraught over getting the family Christmas letter and not seeing himself in it that he didn't even open his mail for like 10 years. For 10 years. And that so letter that's to why Hogwarts, he didn't get his letter to Hogwarts. You know, it's like, oh, man. So, suddenly this all makes perfect sense. <laughs> so, okay, so my... <clears throat> Looking forward to the second season of Discovery, I'm hoping that they've kind of like ironed out a lot of those bumps that they ran into along the way in the first season, mm-hmm. which I'm telling you, all things considered, first season of Discovery is probably one of the strongest first seasons of a Star Trek series. You know, right. um, way better than Enterprise. The Definitely. Fir- and, and, you know, I, the, the next generation ended up being so great by the end that I think a lot of people forget just how kind of... How hard kinda, those kinda, first two seasons. Mad. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it was it's painful. Certainly the first season. You know, it's like the painful. second season, you could see it starting to veer in the yeah. right direction. But but the first season, I, you know, you, you hate to say it, but kind of the, the, uh, the Star Trek The Next Generation was better the less Gene Roddenberry had to do with it. Yeah, and, and the less they keep telling poor Wesley to shut up. Shut up, Wesley. Shut up. Yeah. That's all that happens during the first two seasons of, 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 of Next Gen. 
poor Wesley, which is why so many people hated his character later on. You know, I mean, I I, I gotta give you know, I gotta give um. Well, uh, uh, Wesley Crusher kind of goes from being the the kind of bratty kid to being like almost a Mary Sue character because he's he goes from being the bratty kid to the smartest guy in the room but still nobody wants to listen to him because <laughs> he's Wesley until he becomes a traveler and then even then they get rid of that out of his character and then yeah I, I realized that like uh, you know it, it just sort of worked out that way but they never really like you know he showed up again in a deleted scene from uh, Nemesis, Nemesis. And they never explained why he was suddenly back in Starfleet. Yes. It just, just sort of happened. Yeah. No, and Will Wheaton himself has talked about how he would have liked to have seen Wesley's arc continue. You know, but it, it seems like the writers had no interest in doing that. So, uh, so to, to borrow a line from Jack Bauer, there just wasn't any time. All right. So here we go again. The bombs are going off. And oh, that worked out for me because because uh, this gives me a, a, a three to put right here. And then you've got your green one yeah. there. And look at that. Um, you can match the one. Boom! You've defused a bomb. So so literally after we've been talking for about twenty five minutes, we finally when we when we actually <laughs> actually tried to defuse a bomb. Literally the first roll, I was I was done. You were done. Well, good for you. Well, you know what else was done during this whole time? Uh, somebody, an angel, uh, went to tweakedaudio.com to buy uh, headsets. <laughs> headsets, right? Yeah. Oh, an angel who, by the way, doesn't have their wings anymore because you made a, a let it a let it go reference. Well, come on. I mean, you know, it's there. It's low hanging fruit. <laughs> Speaking of low hanging fruit. Uh, you have the tweakedaudio.com version of low-hanging fruit in free shipping and 33% off any of the styles that are available on tweakedaudio.com by entering GCG at checkout. So if you go to tweakedaudio.com, check out the numerous styles and colors of audio accessories that they have. Um, look at the uh, options for listening to music. Taking phone calls, co-op gaming, podcasting, pick, podcasting, listening to podcasts. Pick the style you like. Enter GCG at checkout. You'll get 33% off and free worldwide shipping. And here, how about this? Every time you use a discount code, an angel gets their wings back. So... One of the one of the one of the angels that previously lost its wings yes. will get their wings back. So you'll be actually undoing a terrible wrong that I have. And trust me, guys, you're gonna have to order a lot of headphones. <laughs> so please do it. If not for us, do it for the angels. Uh, <laughs> And, of course, you want to listen to uh, any of the fantastic uh, podcasts on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, including, uh, obviously, this one, as you may know, Geek Counter Geek, uh, The Winemakers, Minutia Men, The Dishing Bitches, uh, The Fake News Fairy Tale, uh, as long as I keep doing them. But I, I have to tell you, I've run into a snag with The Fake News Fairy Tale. What? 
Well, I, you know, I'm I mean, people are listening to it and thinking it's real, right? A, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, you've oh. become you have become the the fairy tale equivalent of Alex Jones. A little bit. And yeah. people people are just believing everything you're saying, right? Well, the the, the problem is that I, I try to you know explain like the the big canker sore of the week, you know, the big <laughs> the big news story, so that anyone can can understand it, you know, as a fairy tale. And the problem is that every week it involves President Trump. And I'm just I'm just sick of it. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think you can. Can the, can the guy just just give me a week where something happens that doesn't involve him? Well, maybe we can, you know, talk about the little prince that couldn't, you know, make it about Baron Trump. You know? That's it, all right. Nobody with the name Trump. <laughs> Not not Melania, not not uh, Tiffany. Uh, you know what? Tiffany deserves some love. Tiffany, yeah, she yeah, deserves some love. I mean, come on, you've, you've got the Prime Minister of Canada just north of us, Justin Trudeau, doing some fun stuff. Ah, uh, but but then uh, I mean, he is he's already like a handsome prince, and Canada's already like a fabled storyland. So uh, again, people would think you were just transcribing stuff that happens, oh, which is pretty much what I'm doing. You know, I, I, <laughs> I just I just take the story and I, I make it uh, uh, you know a magical faraway land instead of uh, so, ooh how about uh, California splitting into three pieces? Mm, wow, that would be you know what what which is the side that gets uh, Hollywood? Um, well, I think there was like uh, there was like two they were, they were splitting into three, and I think like one was like part of the West Coast, really the part that will eventually fall off one day in a in a big earthquake, and then there was like a North part and a South part. So I'm guessing the the little part to the West is probably where Hollywood is. I will be. I mean, Lex Luthor does away with all of that in uh, Superman the movie. He does. So, yeah. So, oh, well, by the way, uh, 80th anniversary of Superman, Action Comics number 1000 came out. Right. Good luck finding it anywhere. Because <laughs> everybody wants a copy of it. Mind you, finding it the day of release, you're going to have a lot of... You can go into your local comic shop, you know, this week, next week. The back orders will be in. People will get their, cop their copies. Yeah. But a little annoyed. People are annoyed right now that they couldn't get it. I think that was a plot by Lex Luthor. I, I think so. And uh, so, speaking of the uh, the DC universe, which has been uneven to say the least, and, and I made a connection that I hadn't before. That because uh, uh, you know, I was talking to somebody about them recasting uh, Christopher Pike on Star Trek Discovery, and um, you know, I, I don't know for sure what the story was with that. Maybe they asked Bruce Greenwood, and he said no. Uh, maybe they just wanted to separate themselves from the movies themselves. You know, like they. they they decided that was something that they wanted to do. Because then you'll just be inviting people yeah. saying that that is part of that, the split-off universe. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I thought it was because of the split between the, the movies and TV between, you know, CBS, which owns the TV rights, and Paramount, which owns the movie rights. And it's actually kind of the same thing that they're dealing with, with uh, DC, because DC is actually doing really well in TV. Right. And the movies are completely separate, and, you know, some people think they're doing just fine, some people People hate them with the fiery passion of a thousand suns. <laughs> well, 
like like uh, Supergirl. They have a guy who plays Superman on there who, yeah. who he might not necessarily look the part, but he plays the part. And they they the writers on that show have got Superman down. They yeah. figured him out. And yet I'm like, why can't they do that in the movies? And, and I'm I, that that's the comparison that I made that they completely you know Barry Allen you know it's a different guy between the Flash on TV and and Justice League. And, uh, you know, it's really probably the same thing with, uh, with Star Trek, you know, either whether it's because of the rights issue between TV and movies or they just decided they wanted to do it separately. Um, you know, they, they clearly are. And I think that, you know, DC shown you can do that with no problem. Which makes me wonder, then, if you bring Spielberg on to do Blackhawks, which is one of my favorite uh, comic books as a kid. But mind you, the Blackhawks, not, not, not the three-time Stanley Cup winning hockey team, um, Chicago. Right. It's actually the, it's the, the, they were World War II fighter pilots. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, the, the Blackhawks go throughout the history of, of aviation, and um, they were, they have, through these really cool planes and they had cool uniforms and I know it most for um, the run that Howard Chaikin did on the comic book. Really stylized um, artwork, cool stuff. Um, Chaikin who had done other cool things for Marvel, doing stuff for DC. Um, I'm wondering how that translates into a movie because if the Blackhawks are fighter pilots in the DCU, DCEU, um, will you have quote unquote superheroes? I'm doing the air quotes. Um, in Blackhawks and during what era? It would be interesting if the Blackhawks are fighting d- during World War II and they're superheroes during World War II. Yeah, well, they've already had a superhero in World War One, Right. Yeah, well, yeah, Wonder Woman. Yeah. But yeah, she's like very, she plays a very, a pretty small role, even to the small, I only say small because she's able to bury the fact that she fought in World War One pretty well, that no one talked about her yeah. until later. You know, to, that she didn't even want that photograph of her that was taken on the battlefield, you know, to show up again. Yeah. So what about World War II? Did they, you know, will the Black Fox be involved? Or is it going to be a modern era thing? And if it's a modern era thing, what makes it, what makes it special? And then would you have Blackhawks flying Blackhawks? Well, that would make sense to me. Or are you talking about the birds, though? No, I was talking about the helicopter. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> and then I'm telling you already, again, there, there are some entertainment writers that are already got their, they're already going to have their, their headlines ready for when the, when the thing bombs at the box office, Black Hawk Down. The Proceeding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at radiomisfits.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Gabatron.